This year on the Linda Blair birthday episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing 1977's John Borman's film of Exorcist II, The Heretic. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, a movie podcast that features hosts Brandon and Cullen discussing a film considered but not limited to being a cult classic. The episode you are listening to will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Follow CC Cavalcade on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to the show on cultcinemacavalcade.com, iTunes, and anywhere podcasts are found. Don't you understand that I was face to face with the evil that's inside her? Once the wings have brushed you, you're mine forever. This is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is episode 67. This is Brandon, and as always, synced with me as your co-host, Cullen. I hope you like Locust. Today we are here to discuss the 1977 film, John Borman's film of Exorcist II, The Heretic. Cullen, may the power of podcasts compel you to give me the plot. A teenage girl once possessed by a demon finds that still lurks within her. Meanwhile, a priest investigates the death of the girl's exorcist. John Borman's film of Exorcist II, The Heretic, is directed by John Borman, written by William Goodhart, and stars Linda Blair, Richard Burton, Louise Fletcher, Max van Sydow, James Earl Jones, and Ned Beatty. Makeup done by Dick Smith. Yeah. Welcome back to Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Um, we hope you enjoyed our Doctor Who episode to bring in the new year. We had a lot of fun with that one. And now we're right in time for our annual Linda Blair birthday episode, which will pop up around her birthday. Uh, I'd argue that this is, uh, was less fun to watch than Doctor Who and the Daleks. That's a coin toss not worth... (laughs) That is a commemorative coin I don't want to be aware of. Not to play my hand here. Uh, This is our third time, Linda Blair. We originally did Savage Streets. Awesome. Roller Boogie. Awesome. And now we'll talk about it. And now we watched a John Borman film. Another John Borman film. uh, The film he followed up Zardoz with. So he's... He's on a roll here. It's, I guess law of averages, right? He had point blank deliverance, and then we, you know, we get Zardoz and Exorcist before he gets into Excalibur. This movie is once again about a girl possessed, but you know who a man possessed is, Cullen? Who's that? Tom LeBrie. Tom LeBrie again for LeBrie's Waterbed Warehouse, and we're going to talk about movies again. Everybody seems to love science fiction. One of the super motion pictures came out in 1966. It starred Raquel Welch and Stephen Boyd. It won the Academy Award for Best Special Effects, Fantastic Voyage. Another movie that won the award for Best Special Effects in 1951 was H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds. Of course, the all-time classic of them all, it still stands up after seeing the remake, the original King Kong, filmed in 1933. We have movies all night, six nights a week. And this is Tom LeBrie. Reminding you, the flotation systems are a science. In the LaBreeze Waterbed Warehouse, we don't give you any fiction. We're here on Exorcist 2, The Heretic. 
the sequel to one of the biggest films of all time at the time, and still, with inflation, the biggest horror movie of all time, and recently It, in modern dollars, matched up to it. The first movie was a huge phenomenon, so of course, even though they didn't always do it back then, a sequel was something the studio was really interested in. Yeah, this was back when when a sequel was made to a movie, the budget was usually less than the first one. Unlike now, where the sequels usually get more, because back then sequels didn't make as much money as the originals. Right, it was it was it dropped. Everything would gradually go down. I mean, even a very successful sequel would still be less than the original. And if you were trying to crank them out, you just went till the money was dry, like Friday the 13th in the 80s, or like the Hammer Dracula films, or the Planet of the Apes. I mean, they were using Dollar General for props back in, uh, (laughs) for battle for the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, eventually it was just like, just put a monkey mask on someone, put them in the background, and they're an ape. (laughs) Uh, But this one, the story goes, uh, William Friedkin didn't want to return and William Peter Blatty didn't want to return. It was a, uh, the original was a very passionate project for them. And you look at it, and the story's told. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, uh, done. There's, there's nothing left to tell. I, the the thing you can do, which what the studio wanted, was just another exorcism, and they wanted to make a cheapy, just another investigation, and using. They actually said they wanted to use footage from the first movie of Reagan for this exorcism from different angles with different dubbing. That's how cheap they were going to go with it. A movie that's supposed to be cheaper that takes place partially in Africa is supposed to cost less than the first one that was made entirely in the United States. Well, that would come along with this, this script, which uh, John Borman, who turned down the first exorcist, came back to <laughs> do the sequel. Uh, this time around, though, you know, the studio isn't going to give them the free kid money because... There's a lot of that hurt this movie, but budget becomes a problem, especially with the locales are mm-hmm. are sets. Friedkin went to Iraq for The Exorcist and was filming naturally there, and he was under like a huge political situation. There was a ransom situation they went through. There was tons of crazy shit. Like I've, I'm a fan of William Friedkin. I've read his memoirs. People should read about his trip to Iraq for that. Though just those. Short sequences with Max von Sydow and The Exorcist, the original Exorcist, caused a whole lot of trouble and it was very dangerous. And the studio obviously wasn't going to do that again with Africa, so <laughs> they end up being sets here. Well, yeah, the the first Exorcist was just nothing but headaches between the crew being upset with with Freakin and mm-hmm. how badly he treated Linda Blair and how everyone like on the set pretty much got sick because part of the movie took place on a completely refrigerated set and just a lot of headaches and i imagine the only headache that happened with this movie was when it was released up until that point you know it's smooth sailing right yeah i mean even though even the washington stuff from the first movie is sets because they tried to go back to the old house they tried to go back to that old stairway and the city of washington did not want them back Granted, the, the first Exorcist movie was highly controversial at the time too. Yeah. I mean, there was the, you know the religious connotations of it, and that might have been a reason they were like, "No, we're not. We don't want controversy over here. We let you do your thing the first time." You know, this movie. I mean, it's got hell a, a good cast on paper. Yeah. Borman had Zardoz, but okay, he'll rebound. You're right because he made Deliverance. Yeah. This was made. This was his follow up to Zardoz. Someone. 
I can't believe anyone at Warner Brothers saw Zardoz and said, yes, get John Borman. I want him to direct this major release that well, we have. I think one of the things was, like, you know, he did his one for me and it, it failed. And now you can grab him to do like a, a more prestigious director to do this sequel rather than just a schmuck. You'd be like, oh, well, John Borman needs something. So let's grab him. Little do they know he's going to bat 0 for 2 on his films. <laughs> here get get me the guy that <laughs> directed zardoz and that movie where ned Beatty gets anally raped get me that guy to direct the sequel to the exorcist yeah i mean they get uh, they get james earl jones here same year he does luckily james earl jones had star wars as well uh that <laughs> year uh they get richard burton as a replacement for john voight who was cast and then left over personal views or something von Saito comes back they got louise fletcher who had just won an oscar who was she's originally cast to play reagan's mother because uh what's her name didn't want to come back and then the, her part was going to be played by like chris sarandon stuff happened and it changed the part to a female they brought back the, the assistant from the first movie to come back to replace her role wrote the mom out of the script sharon played by kitty Wynn. just kind of restructured things so louise fletcher was brought on this to play Reagan's mother, but then winds up playing Gene Tuscan, the doctor. So th- things behind the scenes were shaking up. The-, the original script, Linda Blair says, was good. That's why she came on. And then it got five rewrites and was unrecognizable to her by the time they ended up shooting it. The only reason that she stayed in the movie is because she was contractually obligated to be in it. Right, yeah. And everybody else had rejected it. They, they tried to get even back the, the real-life priest that was in the original movie that, that Friedkin famously, to get the em, uh, emotion out of him he wanted in the final moment of the first one, punched him in the face and said, roll it, roll it, let's get this. <laughs> but he re- he didn't come back, so they came up with the character of Father Lamont. They'd even tried to get the detectives back. And I think even one version of the screenplay had him in it, but the actor passed away and they wrote him out. Uh, they were trying to bring back as many people as possible, but luckily got Linda Blair on the hook for this. That's the semblance of of how they did it. And for some reason, Fonsaito was hesitant to come back, and he did. And it's really weird what they got him to come back for because he really doesn't even have like a scene. It's all montage moments that he came back for. It just seems like it would have been better just to use clips from the first Exorcist when they showed those events from the first movie, it just <sighs> it's it's yeah, it's really confusing because because you see it, he's in the it's like oh he's he's back and he's but very it's just very bizarre but hey props to the guy for coming back congratulations on your paycheck Max von Sydow uh, the movie is the only Exorcist of the sequels to turn a profit at the box office. <laughs> That's that's what that's one one thing it can champion. Um, that's the one thing. Yes, it was a, it was a big project. There was a lot of people going to be involved, but man, and it's got a reputation, which we will discuss after we get through the film. So let's start it out here. Father Man, in the valley of the shadow of death, be at my side. We of course have some eerie music. And we have a really cool, creepy red font on black screen with this screaming and chanting going on. From the moment the movie starts, I have a sense of dread for the next two hours of my life. And not like the way that the exorcist was like, oh, this is spooky. I just like, I just hear that. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) It's funny. 
This movie is titled John Borman's film of Exorcist II, The Heretic. That's what my, my Blu-ray menu said. That's what the title screen was saying. He'd like everyone to know it's my fault. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sure the, the studio was like, we need a scapegoat. Put his name at the top of this thing. Right. Well, I guess the first one was William Friedkin's film of William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist. I, I guess that was how they did that. But maybe it was to show that, hey, this is not from the people that it came from last time. We start in this barn type place where we meet Father Philip Lamont, Richard Burton, which, man, uh, <laughs> by accident, like every line feels like we're listening to a trailer when he speaks. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's it's like they got the announcer for the trailer, like have him be the main character in the movie. He replaces, you know, John Voight, which it's like, oh, oh, well, we got Richard Burton. Well, they got a drunkard Richard Burton for this movie playing Lamont, according to what well, I've researched. Was John Voight supposed to be yep. Father Lamont? Oh, yep, my God. Yep, he was cast. There was a lot of people up, like Christopher Walken was there. He was one of the people they were going after for it. There's many people. Richard Burton ended up being, he was a replacement for John Voight who quit the movie. He, he didn't like some of the views the movie was going after, and Borman refused to alter the script in any way for him, so he quit. Some um, of the views like how it doesn't make a damn lick of sense right, Is that the, right right that would be my main concern when reading the script father Lamont is clutching a bible with father Marin's photo in it as he goes to perform an exorcism on a young i don't know if he's in spain or mexico I'm just gonna put it out there they're speaking spanish <laughs> he's around hispanic people Yes, there's a ton of people in this place holding, they're holding her down. Uh, he seems very timid, and then the woman breaks free and starts tossing candles around and winds up burning herself to death. So he's like, a, he's like a, got like a fanboy Bible of Father Marin. That was actually one of the kind of, it was creepy because it felt really unnatural because when the fire is surrounding her, she's also kind of translucent. I don't know if that was on purpose or if that was just it works it's one of the things that works in the movie yeah no it, it is genuinely creepy like what the hell happened why why did she light herself on fire right yeah it's like oh yeah if, yeah if this is your first exorcist movie colin <laughs> well yeah you know i i decided to start with the second one instead of the first one because i mean i get what the first one's about a girl gets possessed and then she's not. Oh, uh, uh, whatever. I'll skip to the second one. I mean, it's like Wrath of Khan. You want to watch the second one because the first one's not very good. <laughs> yes. That is uh, Nicholas Meyer's film of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. <laughs> we cut to Reagan McNeil at some tap dance school. We, we go from someone being <laughs> burned alive to cut to some girl trying to tap dance. We meet Dr. Jean Tuscan. She's working with some sort of exercise with a deaf or mute girl named Debbie. And Reagan shows up for her appointment with Dr. Tuscan. It's some weird sci-fi looking office, right? There's glass rooms. They're all circular shaped, sliding doors. I don't know it how is, else to describe it. It's glass. Dr. Tuscan works in a glass honeycomb hell. It is ridiculous it's completely impractical like you know like this is a facility for children that are dealing with uh with, with, with mental issues so what do you want to do put them on display for anyone that's walking around right right and i mean this is where i mean this is where the money went because the movie does not like to yeah. leave this place very often the only walls that are not made of glass in this area are the outer walls it's fucking and they're black. It's black. It's like this is in just some deep dimension of blackness. 
Tuscan is apparently Reagan's psychologist, and she's asking her about her dreams, and Reagan feels she's wasting their time and only doing it to make her mom feel better. Reagan says that only she remembers being very sick and having nightmares back in Washington when she was possessed. Tuscan feels the bad dreams are still inside her. She shows her a machine that can hypnotize them to both look at the bad dreams and get rid of them. So basically what Dr. Tuscan is doing is she sees a, a hornet's nest, doesn't hear any buzzing. It's like, you know what? I'm going to fix this. Takes a stick and just starts poking it until the hornets come out and start attacking. Right. She's There's close, no need to do anything. She's close to having to clear Reagan and, and uh, release her, so she needs to stir some shit up to keep her on for another year. Uh. <laughs> That's right. I need more glass walls and more giant foam nuts right. to, for people to roll around on. Father Lamont meets with the Cardinal, the Vatican, <laughs> introduces... Cardinal Jarrus, may I present Father Philip Lamont, Society of Jesus... Okay, aren't they all in the Society of Jesus? Like, <laughs> Is that like when a host of Saturday Night Live returns five times? Is that what it is? Like there's like a difference in like prestige or something? Uh, Lamont wants relieved of his exorcism and research duties. The Cardinal wants him looking into what happened to Father Marin and his reputation is in jeopardy. Satan has become an embarrassment to our progressive views. <laughs> And that's Satan. He's always slinging dirt about the church. The, the Catholic Church, the most progressively viewed religion. <laughs> that's what I, absolutely, that's what I think of. Uh, this, uh, this is a debate over whether he was killed by the devil or died a Satanist. Lamont says, today, all he sees is evil. God has fallen silent. And the Cardinal reissues Lamont, who feels like he's not worthy, to do the investigation and to report to him alone. Lamont then winds up at the research Xavier's school for the gifted children special ed kids school that Tuscan's at that she teaches with the glass and Reagan smiles passing by him she knows that he's there probably because of her have had to be followed around for your life by priests oh at least you're not a boy Reagan that's all I gotta say uh Lamont tells Tuscan he wants to question Reagan Tuscan says she feels the exorcism made her problem worse and that she is suppressing guilt over the priest's death <sighs> Yeah. Does not know what they're talking about. <laughs> Lamont says that she has the care of her soul, to which Tuscan says, no, her mind and her body. Lamont says Tuscan is up against evil, to which Tuscan says, no, mental illness. And he then spouts <laughs> some creepy horror movie stuff out, and Reagan comes in and says she'd like to do the hypnotism stuff right now. And Lamont says he can stay if, if she'd like. And Tuscan says, no, we'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> It's great that she, everybody's she comes down in. for her plan, and she's like, "Nah." <laughs> it's like I gotta get it out of the back, and you know, it's gotta warm up. It's just not worth it. Also, why does Reagan decide that she wants to do it? She was dead set on not doing it, and then she sees a drunk priest stroll in. It's like, you know what? I do want to be hypnotized. That sounds like a good plan to me. Let's just end this. Maybe I don't know. She has dinner with Sharon from the first movie. You guys all remember Sharon? No, no, you don't. Okay. No. No, no one does. She's back. Uh, and trust me, guys, <laughs> she, she is in the first movie. She's there. Yes. She was like a nanny, I guess. Yeah, she's like the right? per, She's like the personal assistant slash nanny for Reagan's mother. Reagan tricks Sharon 
into thinking she can bend a spoon with her mind after watching a program on TV, but she's just joshing her. What an important scene. Yes. And then a movie that's already too long. That scene was only in there because they needed to show the passage of time. Because it goes from, hey, I want to use the, the, the synchronizer. Okay, great. Cut the dinner. And then it cuts back to... You know why? You know what they're doing? It's because they are in that damn glass school place so much that they're like, yeah, we can't have like four hours go by in this place. We need like <laughs> a two-minute break. And that's what they do. That's the only reason that they would do this thing the next day and not right now. It's not like when she's bending the spoon, she's like, oh, man, this is creepy. It's just like as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, she just has two spoons. That's what it is. She's not bending a spoon. She's using two spoons to look like she's bending right. a spoon. And then it ends. It's like, hey, Reagan, do you want to do this hypnosis thing? No, thank you. Hi, father. Hi. Oh, you know what? Can we do the hypnosis thing? Oh, uh, priest says, you know what? Sure. I'd be down for that. I'll check it out. Tuscan, you know what? We should all go sleep on this. Why? You just five <laughs> minutes ago wanted to... Well, yeah, it's not like the father goes through any kind of training or anything like that to, to, to understand how to use this machine. It's just like, yeah, let's just let's give it 24 hours. Right. We'll, we'll revisit this situation. We get to that next day and Reagan gets her mind attached to the hypnotized machine, which <laughs> don't forget the crystals. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, got, I, I was like, oh, man, this is Kip's time machine. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The synchronizer consists of a couple of flashing lights, a leather belt, and a few wires. That's what this thing consists of. Reagan lets herself go as she watches the flashing light and a tone plays, and they take themselves to Reagan's room in Washington. And Father Lamont then questions her about Father Marin before he died. She goes, is his heart strong? She tells him he is praying. Lamont asks what Reagan was doing, and Tuscan starts gasping and fibrillating, quote-unquote, their words, not mine. They snap Reagan out of it and then hook up Lamont, like, hey, priest, get in here, to the machine. <laughs> To help find Tuscan, and Reagan is holding on to Tuscan on around her heart, and then around her we start seeing the end of the first movie with Father Marin exercising Reagan in the bedroom, and she's mine always says something, and is forming around her. Reagan and or possessed Reagan have their hands around Tuscan's heart, and then Marin seems to be sharing space with where Tuscan is sitting, and then. The Reagan Pazuzu <laughs> hand battle over Tuscan's beating heart happens, and we see the heart, and Lamont's just like watching it all. And he says, "In God's name!" And then it all stops, and Reagan tells Lamont to tell Tuscan she will not remember this, and and then Liz turns off the machine. Liz, oh, there's an assistant in the place named Liz. She's not important, but she's there. <laughs> and uh, the the part where the old, well, I shouldn't say the old footage, the, the stuff that's supposed to be old footage, when that fades in, and it's like superimposed over the heart, that part is kind of, it is kind of creepy. It's neat. It's it's creepy. I don't, I, I expected it to fully transport into mm -hmm. the room rather than having us sit and watch two people sitting, staring at each other the whole time. Like, it would have been a neat to have that, and then it transitions into the room, so we transport. So they're, like, same position, but change the scenery and have them all in the yeah. room in the same position with this going on rather than super posing it all together in that same damn glass place. <sighs> yeah. So everybody gets out of this and is wondering if anyone else remembered everything and then Lamont remembers everything. So 
still in this place. Uh, <laughs> Tuscan's watching Reagan help some children draw, and her and Lamont talk about what he saw in the hypnosis. He's not sure it wasn't Reagan and that it was something evil. Uh, Liz, assistant Liz, then brings Reagan's drawing to Lamont, and it's of him, and he notices there are flames on the picture, and they're getting bigger, and he chases down Tuscan flipping out about it doctor doctor the flames they're they're getting bigger we've got to put the fire out take it easy it's probably some post flashing it's an after effect of the hypnosis no 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 you've got to help me we may be too late we may be too late where are you going you've got to help me her picture Reagan's picture and she's not buying into it, and they wander into the boiler room, basement, parking garage, whatever. Nothing guides them. They just decide to run around, and they happen. They at least change st- scenery. Yeah, that's the best thing about this scene is they change scenery. But yeah, like there's there's no indication. He doesn't say like I smell smoke or anything like that. The flames are getting bigger, so he starts running around, and somehow that leads him to the basement. Yeah, and he's, he swears there's a fire somewhere, and then, well, he finds some box that's on fire in a caged room. Do- Maybe it's Reagan's? Who knows? There's just a box on fire somewhere in the building. Dr. Tuscan calls the fire department, grabs an extinguisher, and then we see the picture on the ground, and you look, and she, she sees the picture that they brought with them on the ground, and looks up and sees Lamont through the fire as if it's just like the picture well well, thank goodness that she was there to put out the fire because father lamont tries to put out the fire with a wooden crutch he is to fire as dr lamont is to reagan's brain made it worse (laughs) would have been better if they weren't there at all the alarm goes off and the building is evacuated and we then cut to lamont huffing oxygen outside an ambulance he tells tuscan that reagan warned them and he's in love with the hypnosis machine, apparently, because he can't wait to get back on it. So they can fight the. He thinks they can fight the demon within her with it. She just doesn't want to see it in the same way, but he wants her help. When he said, you know, Lamont says that a demon is locked inside her. Like, no, a demon was locked inside her until Doctor Dum Dum started to poke around. Reagan's mind recklessly. Lamont guesses that Tuscan fears Reagan will remember it all and go into shock, but he feels she already does remember it and is trying to deal with it herself. She Maybe wasn't it. dealing with it at all. She was fine. From what we've seen of her, yeah, she's fine. Who knows? Uh, I'll give she- Lamont that much that we haven't seen. The movie starts a little late for us to have known this. I- she's fine. She's learning the tap dance. She's moved on. Tapping the Satan away. Reagan is asleep. She dreams of the cityscape with a voice telling her to come. And they're going, flying far, far away. She turns in bed and we wind up with a point of view shot of her going through some African village, which is not her point of view. It's a, it's a locust. And she wakes up and we see more paintings on the wall from her. And we then see the village and crops are about to be swarmed by these locusts. Uh, Reagan sits up in bed and I think is sleepwalking sure okay i i was like i think that's what we're doing here but her eyes are open too i think a guy in the village is on the shoulders of someone swinging something in the air through the crops yeah it's like it's just some african kid with with a sling yeah and i I hope you like seeing that image folks because oh boy howdy we see a lot of just this kid slinging something throughout the entire movie and we'll find out it's very important that you, you keep that in your brain in the end. 
It comes back. Um, yeah, we're we're we're, we're going to get to that. We're going to have a nice a nice discussion about that when we get to it. Reagan then is on the roof of the building with doves flying around her. We then see Father Marin taking pictures of the villagers during this locust swarm. Reagan is at the edge of the building and has no rail and then wakes and almost falls, but doesn't. I'm just going to take a time out here. That's really Linda Blair, really on the... They didn't do a lot of location shooting for this movie, but this roof was on top of the Warner Brothers building, and she was really up to that edge, and John Borman shot that knowing if she fell, there was no way in hell he had any way of catching her. <laughs> so, so he put the star of this movie... For Warner Brothers, just on the edge of a building and just, hey, I, I hope like a wind doesn't, you know. At the corner, too. She's at the corner. Like, yeah. if she can't just like drop to a side. <laughs> yeah. The, she has the, to pick yeah. backwards or the left. <laughs> <laughs> Two options. She has a 50% chance. And, and she has to freak like she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, she has to pretend like she's falling when she's on the edge of a building. I didn't know that till after I'd watched the film and I was horrified thinking about it. Like it's bugged. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, I don't like heights. I don't like going to one of those tall buildings where they like have glass floors and they're like, look, it's like you can reach. I'm like, no man, don't I will stay behind the bar. I, Oh my gosh. It just freaked me out. Just, that's the scariest thing about this movie to me was thinking about, holy crap, if you were in Linda Blair's shoes during this, well, she, was, the f- she was probably the- told, oh, no, we got a harness down there. We got this guy. He's gonna, uh, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Don't make any enemies because they could push you off the side of the building real easily. Oh, my God. This poor Linda Blair. The first one, she was tortured by the director because, you know, when the, the bed's banging up and down, like the straps were really loose and like it hurt her, her wrist and her, her ankles. And then it, there was like a harness or something like that, that she was in that was really loose. So her back would slap against it and it really hurt her. And in this one, uh, another director's like, OK, just get right to the edge of the building and just don't fall. Just <laughs> instead of physical torture, it's psychological torture. And we need at least six takes. <laughs> God. I don't believe John Borman took more than three takes of anything ever. Sharon then shows up in Reagan's room and sees she's not there. But on the roof, Reagan is peppy and says, good morning, as she feeds the doves. Sharon tells her that she has to go to Washington to do stuff for her mother that she wasn't able to do before she was on vacation, which is a lie. Because as the plane takes off, we cut to Sharon in the pouring down rain with Lamont examining the famed stairwell from the first movie, which actually isn't that stairwell from the first movie, where Karis died. Sharon asks if Marin will be made a saint in Lamont says the world doesn't want any more saints they go inside the house sharon answers a lot of questions from the first movie when father Madden arrived how did he prepare himself did he pray they couldn't explain it the police could they did father Madden have a name the demon no it knew him though how do you know that they called his name. Did it seem that the demon was expecting Father Merrin? Yes. It feared him, I think. Was, uh, was Father Merrin afraid? You'd better see where it happened. What was the girl's condition when Father Merrin went up to her? Hideous. That evil face. I couldn't bear to be near her afterwards. 
questions that I'm not sure Sharon was present, but she was actually, she did actually go in the room with Father Karras at one point, or Father Marin, I can't remember. But during this time, Sharon says she stayed away for a while after that, but being with Reagan again makes her, seems to make her feel better. Lamont goes into the bedroom and prays for Father Marin as Sharon waits outside as she won't go in the room. Lamont meets with Tuscan back at the lab school place she mentions during this that she has two kids and is divorced living alone and he goes don't you ever need a woman father reagan uh reagan and lamont hypnotized together tuscan asks reagan if she dreams of father marin and we flash back to africa as he studies a young boy with special powers to fight the locust war he wonders if the locusts come because of the boy and it says does great goodness draw upon itself reagan brings lamont down to her and the africa stuff which was okay before now starts looking like full-on sets and it's like oh, okay that's a backdrop <laughs> yeah with, with the field and then just some red shit in the background like yeah, oh, no, that's, that's just, the sky yeah this guy is just yeah this is red cloth or something i during the locust storm marin finds the boy in the ground and flips him over, and he's possessed and says, I am Pazuzu. Reagan says, call me by my dream name, which they were, I'm sure in the summer of 77, they were hoping that'd be the hot bedroom talk, but, uh... <laughs> talk to me like you're in The Exorcist too. <laughs> and Lamont says, king of the spirits of the air. We, we then cut to some mountainous area with lots of wind and Marin and people climbing and this like crevice get up or holding on for dear life as they try to get to the top. One guy falls and it's kind of comical <laughs> as they aren't it able is... to really execute it. But then he like brutally lands. It's laughable as he's falling and then he's like crunch and his back bends. It is the most graceful fall. It's like he has superpowers to help him slow down his descent, but ultimately he can't stop it. But like you said, when he actually does make impact, it's like he's going full force. Yeah, it's like, oh, (laughs) because you're like laughing like, oh, that's a dummy. That's kind of soft for him to bow. And then you're like, oh, ouch. Why didn't they just have him quickly fall and then have that landing? That why we had to show him like boop boop as plinko and floating and then This was like I think this was the point in the movie where I said to myself, "Why am I watching this?" Inside some building, a temple within that mountain, Marion performs a public exorcism on the boy, and it ends up working. Uh, Lamont says, Marion defeated you because the boy was a healer, which Pazuzu says it only bought him time. And Lamont then asks to be taken to him, the boy or whatever, and we follow the locust over a village having some sort of battle with and then it's flying over and then lots of planes and rivers and crazy chanting and we get it's more or less village it's like well we get it he moved far the fuck away apparently like it's like the 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 force from the evil dead is just taking us on a trip through africa in real time in real oh god yes I mean, how many different kinds of animals do we need to see roaming as we did this? We had zebras, and we had, like, the rhinos, and and we stopped to watch them, and it's like, no, 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 get us there, please. Uh, (laughs) Like, I just want to say, like, we get it, you're in Africa. That's what what this movie could be called, We Get It, The Exorcist (laughs) 2. We then get... Another village set, and this one, like looks like a damn set. Like They're getting cheaper and cheaper. And out of some doorway comes James <laughs> Earl Jones, who growls, and we see a leopard come out of him. And everybody jumps out what? of the hypnotism. 
Why, Brandon? Why? 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 There's so much stuff with locusts that uh, are tied into Pazuzu and James Earl Jones, and then for some reason... James Earl Jones sounds like a leopard. Are they, does he like? Is he able to like spit leopards? Is that how he does it? Or <laughs> if he could uh, fire leopards out of his mouth, now I'm watching your movie. I want to know more, John Borman. Uh, yeah, can we get the Kokumo? You know, uh, uh, John, John Borman's film of Kokumo, the follow-up to John Borman's film of Exorcist Two: The Heretic. And the poster is just James Earl Jones with a leopard flying out of his mouth. You're telling me you wouldn't at least be partially interested in that movie. I'm almost pre-ordering the ticket. It wouldn't make any less sense than anything else that's happened in this movie. No. I, one thing I, I will give Borman here, he's not afraid to go for it. His go for it just isn't... It, you know? like <laughs> He doesn't, I, know, I, what he's, he doesn't know what he's going for. Exactly. But he, he goes for it. Like, he's... It's surprising how little restraint he seems to have in some of this areas. This is a, a scene where I just think, did, did John Borman just, like, did he just get free drugs? Is that what it was? He was just like, well, I got them. I might as well use them. I'll use them on set. That'll be fine. I've never been so high or drunk or whatever in my life to say, this makes sense. This is a good idea. I don't I don't know how we're going to do this, John. Huh. <laughs> Hey, hand me my crack pipe. <laughs> Daddy needs some China white. <laughs> Lamont feels that they got somewhere, and Pazuzu's now frightened, and that the boy is still alive. Reagan says she knows Africa from some class history museum tour, and Reagan leaves. Lamont feels he can find the boy all grown up in some mud city. Tuscan wants to take a look at Lamont before he asks Reagan any more about Africa, because what would any of this hurt? You got to figure this shit out. You opened it. You opened the door. You need to fucking explore the room, ma'am. It was this is her idea, and now she's like, well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this whole movie is kind of Tuscan's fault, and she's the one who's against like every step of the way once they do her idea. Who who, who do you think is more at fault here, Doctor Tuscan or Reagan's mother? Because Reagan's mother wanted her to go. To talk to someone. No, you know what? It, it is more the doctor's fault because Reagan could just go there and just talk about what happened, and that would be the end That's of it. That's what Reagan's mother's want. Reagan's mother wants. She just wants a regular psychiatrist with her daughter. I ended up signing her up for the ESP kid school. Like, 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 there's no way that Reagan's mom saw that facility because she would take like one step in, like, no, forget it. Someone that is schizophrenic or has multiple personality disorder designed this building. There's no way I'm putting the, the stress of this whack-ass architecture in my daughter's head as well. Reagan talks to some little girl waiting for Dr. Tuscan. Hi. Are you waiting for Dr. Tuscan? She's very nice, isn't she? What's the matter with you? How do you mean? I'm withdrawn. I can't talk. But you're talking now. Yes, you are. I can hear you. You, you, you can hear me? Sure. 
what's the matter with you? I was possessed by a demon. Oh, it's okay. He's gone. The girl's the girl's mom comes out and is emotional and she's like, she's talking. The mother then takes the girl home. It's against Tuscan's wishes, which, man, you're a, she was only there because she wasn't talking, Dr. Tuscan. Now she can, and now you're, she's like, I just lost money. Come back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, hang on, let me go scar the girl. I got to hang on, look into this, uh, this strobe light over and over again. <laughs> we didn't get the synchronizer. Uh, <laughs> uh, they ask Reagan what happened, and Reagan just asked if she can help with other kids. And Tuscan's like, nope, 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 nope. Nope, you're going to cost me a lot of money doing that. No. The doctor says, like, you know, Reagan, it's very dangerous to fool around with other people's heads. Yes, it is, doctor. Maybe it'd be better if uh, someone that was qualified to do that worked there instead of you. Right. Sharon shows up and Reagan takes off. Lamont thinks Reagan entered the kid's mind and made her talk. Tuscan gets angry and tells Lamont to leave her alone. They fight about it and Tuscan storms off. Lamont goes to the museum. Reagan's there. Tells her that he's not allowed to talk to her. She asks if priests believe in ESP. He speaks of another priest who believed in all of it. He warns if things happen before they are ready that they may be pointed to Satan. They find an exhibit that is the place that Marin fought Pazuzu. Apparently, they... <laughs> How convenient. Uh, Reagan knows the name of the boy, now a man, called Kakumo. Lamont returns to the Cardinal, begging to go to Africa to meet Kakumo, that he could not only prove the exorcisms and evil is real, and they and Kakumo could have power to fight such evil. The Cardinal feels he's in defiance of the church and relieves him of his assignment, and he mentions that he will speak to him again after his retreat. So, he's... Go to Africa, dude. It's just not going to be on our dime. Is that what we get here? Because he's like, I don't want, no, this is in defiance of the church, but enjoy that retreat to Africa. Well, now he's like a private detective priest instead of being on the force. It's like he handed in. Sounds like a Monday night ABC show in the 80s. (laughs) Renegade priest. Actually, that was Father Dowling Mysteries. Right. Yeah, I uh, I guess I missed the episode of The Father Telling Mysteries where he investigates an exorcism. Could we possibly be the first podcast to ever reference The Father Dowling Mysteries? I think that's a pretty safe bet. Let us know, listeners, if you know what that is. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and don't go starting a Father Dowling Mysteries podcast after you hear this just to prove a point. Yeah, you weren't real fans because we know you weren't watching. Uh <laughs> I watched this movie. You're going to watch an entire series? Come on, folks. Don't waste your time. (laughs) Reagan watches atop the building as we see Lamont climbing that mountain we saw before. And when they get to the temple thing at the top, Lamont enters some sort of ritual, celebration, chant stuff going on. It's, It's one big sausage fest, if you ask me. A lot of dudes. The stuff settles down and everyone kneels and they all take bread and wine like some sort of communion thing going on lamont does this as well confessing my mortal sin is obedience and pride i had to disobey tuscan comes to see reagan at her apartment and she goes to her on the roof and tells reagan that she wishes she would help lamont reagan says they should try and sink and that she could find him no matter where he is and help him. Reagan admits that she hasn't been going to see Tuscan because she hasn't been allowed to go in and sink. I can't. I I have to do what I think's best for you, Tuscan tells her. 
folks, you know, I, I, we take notes when we uh, watch the movie. Uh, this scene, my note is rooftop BS with Reagan. <laughs> that is my that is my whole note for this entire scene. Like, fucking get on with it. Like, why are we back here? Like, go back to Africa. That was that's where the story seems to be going. Lamont goes asking if anyone there remembers Father Marin. There is a guy, and then ask about Kakumo. There was some death they talk about, and a body was never found. It's the guy that fell that we were laughing about earlier. Lamont tells him that the body didn't land where they think it did. He remembers from the vision of the guy bouncing off and goes to show them where it is. Reagan, at this time, is having a tap dance recital, and Sharon's Sharon's in attendance. (laughs) At first, that really felt like the beginning of the movie. Like, all right, there's all this, you know, crazy stuff happening in Africa. But enough of that tap dancing. (laughs) At the bottom of the mountain, Lamont shows the guys to the body, and there are bones there. He tells him that the guy was killed by Pazuzu. He mentions he was under hypnosis. They all sort of start leaving Lamont, thinking he's a devil worshiper, and begin throwing stones at him. To which, at the recital, Reagan begins filling it in sync while on stage performing. When Lamont gets to his vehicle and escapes as Reagan falls off stage and convulses. Backstage, Reagan begs Tuscan not to drug her as it will stop her from dreaming. And then she gets drugged and passes out. And she <laughs> says, trying to kill my soul. So instead of respecting her wishes, they they drugged her. Um, Which isn't Lamont, isn't like Tuscan at this point like, oh, I think that'd be kind of good for you, Reagan. I question if Dr. Tuscan is aware of the Hippocratic Oath. Because, like, oh, please don't drug me. Like, all right, it's enough of that. Just, just here's drugs. Like, like, no, don't. <sighs> there is a powerful demon that wreaks havoc in this movie. And then there's also a villain. Uh, <laughs> Lamont talks to a French nun at a beach as a plane lands on that beach. And out of it comes Ned Beatty, the Deliverance Reunion. He's unloading a big crucifix, and he tells Lamont, Mud City with golden walls? Sounds like Jephthah. You know it? I know every holy place in Africa. Religion's my business. Plastic saints, icons, Buddhas, voodoo grease grease. Edward's my name. Ecumenical Edwards, they call me. Philip Lamont, uh, archaeologist. It's nice to know you, Father. And they fly the traditional route of the plague. Lamont tells Ed- Edwards is who Ned Beatty's playing. They'd flown the route before on the wings of a demon. <laughs> no. Ned Beatty's like, all right, man, I like, I, I enjoy cocaine too. <laughs> I think you just like look over, like, okay, I'm just gonna put the plane down here. You can walk the rest of the way. You want to grab that parachute, buddy? I'm gonna open the door here soon. <laughs> I don't want to get murdered. Yeah. Well, and then something, when they're flying, hits the windshield. There's, like, blood all over it. And it's like, oh, Well, that's boy. that's the DDT. They're trying to get rid of all the locusts in the area. Lamont comes to the village and arrives at Kakumo's place from the vision. He asks a man about him. The man just tells him no. Reagan then is back at the mutant school and in a hospital bed passed out. Lamont continues wandering around, yelling out Kakumo and sifting through a bunch of 
tribal dudes. And like when he's yelling it, there are several people that say Kakumo around him. Yeah, they're all like laughing and shit. And then a big group is all like, oh, Kakumo. And then some guy brings out a girl and they all start like hooting at him and laughing. This woman is brought out in a way that's like, okay, she's all yours. So is Kakumo like African for prostitute or sex worker or sex slave or just... What you say is going on here? Is that what we're supposed to believe? I don't know. Can we just chalk this up to John Borman? Can we just blame him for this? I'd like to do that. I know it's an easy thing to do, but you know what? Fuck John Borman. <laughs> Reagan then wakes up. She undoes her IV and falls back asleep. So she's not going to be drugged and can remember her dreams. Back on the African set, Lamont wanders at dawn. He tells God he has not called on Pazuzu and is proud of this. Reagan then asks to call upon her, but by her dream name. And then he asks Pazuzu to take him to Kakumo. Pazuzu, Kakumo, da-ba-da-da-dee-da-da-ba-da. She starts saying it over and over. And he ends up wandering into a place where Kakumo sits on some sort of like throne made of a bone. Kakumo, played by James Earl Jones is wearing a locust costume. That is all true. This is the character that the only other time that we've seen him as a grown man made a sound like a leopard. But now he's dressed as a locust. Well, he had that on when we first saw him, and he's sitting here, and then he leans forward and puts his head down, and it's like, oh, that's... Because he's got, like, some headdress that you'd think would be some animal, but it's a giant locust. (laughs) Were you like me? Were you just waiting for him to turn... Into a giant locust. I almost I, I almost thought, like, at some point in this movie, he was, like, going to hop on, like, a giant locust and fly around. <laughs> it would make as much sense as anything else. Like, wielding a staff. Like, I thought, well, <laughs> towards the end of the movie, that he was going to have some sort of part in it. Yes. <laughs> that uh, he would be important somehow. He says, Kakumo says he's lost his faith in God because he called on Pazuzu and he tells him to prove his faith by crossing over a lane of spikes that are in like a puddle. Cross over. Step out of your despair. If Pazuzu comes for you, I will spit a leopard. Bit a leopard. <laughs> so again, you can make that sequel. Yeah. That's that spin-off. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> but he doesn't spit a leopard. Instead, he spits like a cherry tomato out of his mouth. Yeah, does he like? Is that like the fetus of the leopard? It's gonna grow into one. You just gotta wait. I I uh, I don't I don't know, Brandon. Why does he? So he just spits out the tomato and it lands on the the, the spikes or nails or whatever. Yeah. And I guess it's supposed to be like creepy and ominous but it's really just like what the fuck am i watching it's one of those moments well and lamont steps on a spike and then falls and his head's gonna land on him he wakes up in a hospital with dr kakumo studying locusts in africa yeah and kakumo doesn't seem to like question hey where did you come from because it to to me it seems like he went from James uh, Earl Jones to James Normal Jones like it, what yeah yeah kakumo is like he must have just seen father lamont just appear it, it wasn't like he like he he walked in or anything like that it was just like boom 
You're like, why are you in my office? That should have been his first question. Was Who this, are you, and why it, are you here? Was this all like Halloween 6, like the cult, the Thorn cult and the theatrical cut where they're like, take off that locust hat. It's Halloween's over, man. And they're really these doctors and shit in this hospital. Like, is that what, is that what we're going? Is that the original part of this? Like, I, I don't know. This is, I was so thrown off. I, I was like, uh, I was like it just like, what? Cause this, there was nothing going on. Like if this would have happened during one of the hypnosis scenes, it would have made mm-hmm. sense. But this is, he physically traveled to Africa. He didn't yeah. take any drugs. Mm-mm. Like the closest thing to drugs was the DDT that hit the plane. I guess he took that communion. Then we have days go by because he's going to that beach. He gets picked up by that plane. Yeah. At this point in the movie, I would like to do with the people that they went to. It wasn't the premiere, but it was one of, it was like a sneak preview of The Exorcist 2. The studio heads of Warner Brothers, they came to this theater to see the audience's reaction. They pulled up in a limo, like, hey, limo driver, go get dinner. We'll meet you later, whatever. And 10 minutes into the film, an audience member stood up, <laughs> looked around the crowd, and yelled, the people that made this piece of shit are in this room. And then like a dozen audience member- members gathered and chased the executives down the street because the executives didn't have a ride out of there. For me, this is the scene that makes me want to do that. Right, and you know, this movie was flat out written, and this, hey, could you, we got this script. Do you want to throw some of this in there? The Africa stuff, it could fit, but they, they do their best to, like, not make it fit. Cause this yeah, is, it, this it's is like based, they're trying to make it worse than it is. It's based on stuff that's included in the book and, and lightly touched upon in the original film. Mm-hmm. And they just make it, just it, yeah. I, yeah. Um, John Borman loves barbiturates. That's my takeaway from this movie. Kakumo tells him that the locusts are evil, breeding evil, as he grabs one out and speaks of the female one, and the tribe markings start showing on his face to Lamont. So it's like, like, because he didn't have them on him, and then he starts talking, and then they're back, and I'm like, what? I... I'm never going to understand it, but I would like you guys to know that that happened. Reagan awakes and leaves. We see a plane landing. Tuscan is bathing her kids at home. Remember, she told us foreshadowing. She had two kids, boys and girl, divorced. This is this is her showing she's not a liar. At home, uh, she ignores a phone call. Sharon coming out of a shower. Sharon and they must have synced earlier in the day, Sharon and Tuscan, because they were both showering when the phone call came. <laughs> yeah! And that threw me off for a moment, too. I was like, well, wait, why is the doctor's hair wet? Oh, no, that's Sharon. F- phone call's about Reagan. She apparently ran away. The door buzzes, and it's Lamont. Sharon's pissed about Reagan running off, blaming Lamont, who says he needs to see her. Sharon tells him to get out of there. Reagan's at the museum, and then guess what? what? Lamont finds her there, and they catch up, saying good and evil are struggling within her. Reagan has brought the synchronizer with her. She stole that. Sharon is at Tuscan's to tell her about Reagan. She says she's going to find them herself. Reagan and Lamont go to his hotel room to set up the synchronizer and sync up. By the way, how quick was that flight from Africa? Because Reagan leaves that glass hell honeycomb and then the, the next scene is like, hey, Father Lamont, I'm looking for her. Well, you were just in Africa. What, we never see him leave Africa. The last thing we see of well, him maybe, is... Maybe that laboratory was in the states that he got transported to through Kakumo's oh, secret powers. God. Maybe. 
Or, or, or is it Pazuzu's secret powers? Because he asked for Pazuzu to show him where Kakuma was. Why the fuck would Pazuzu show Lamont where Kakuma was? The person that was able to expel Pazuzu from his body. Why would he do that? No! No! That doesn't make a damn lick of sense! Why would... Uh, that's like Superman saying, Hey, uh, Lex Luthor, use kryptonite. That's your problem. That'll help. Yeah. No, you hide that shit. Uh, damn they, it. When they synchronize, they go back to Washington bedroom. Merritt narrates moments we've already seen before in the movie, asking Lamont to take his place to protect Reagan. Merritt rises back at the African temple. Then we fly on through on the route to Kakumo. Reagan snaps out of it and shakes Lamont out of it and he, he silently gets up and leaves, not talking and just on a mission. I really think that was just Richard Burton just saying, you know what? I just don't want to really contribute to the rest. Of I'll, I'll show up. I'll be on set, but I'm not going to say a lot of words. You'll figure it out. I'm just I'll just be around. Back at the ESP school, Tuscan finds that Reagan took the synchronizer. Reagan continues to follow and try to communicate with Lamont as they go into a subway tunnel. And she watches him as she uses a payphone to call Tuscan. They realize he's going back to the house in Washington. Tuscan warns she's in terrible danger, but she she must go. Tuscan and Sharon decide to go to Washington now, too. On the subway train, Reagan finds Lamont and... Reagan realizes they don't have tickets, and she goes to reach into his pocket, and then the ticket guy sees her, thinks he's stealing, but Lamont gives the guy a look. No, I I'm with him. He he's sick. They they gave him an injection. Leave her alone. She belongs to me. If a priest were to say that... This was in modern times, they'd be like, all right, buddy, we're getting off the train. Yeah, back then, priests were... I don't know. They were trusted a little bit more, I guess. But still, just leave her alone. She belongs to me. Like, you know, it would have been great if the guy would have gone, oh, oh, Kakumo, Kakumo. And then he just walked away. Tuscan and Sharon drive. Like, we have a subway versus a plane situation here. I got confused because I, like, I was like, okay, there's Reagan and Lamont. They're okay. They're going down into a subway tunnel. And then they're on like a subway car. And so then Sharon and Tuscan go to travel. And then we see people putting stuff in an overhead. I'm like, well, I don't think subways really have the overhead thing. <laughs> and then they go outside and they're on a tram. Like, why are they taking a plane? And then Reagan is taking a. They're like how Reagan and Lamont beat them to the house is just beyond me. Well, be because. The doctor and Sharon, they were on their way to, to Washington, but there was some kind of yeah, car was... crash or something. Like, on the way there, there was something, like a, like a car crash of some sort. And there's just some guy walking around dazed, and he, like, he... What, he leaned up against the car, or, like, he was, like, got in the hood, or... It was just some weird guy walking yeah, around. Like, what the fuck like is this? Bloody from like an accident or something. Yeah, it's like, does Pazuzu have something to do with this too? Or what the fuck is happening? Yeah, well, and the plane has turbulence and stuff like crazy when they're... Oh, you mean the, the plane that looks like it was made in a men's bathroom? Mm -hmm. There is garbage all over the walls. I don't mean like people like wrote on it. I mean, it looks like someone sprayed poop on the walls of mm -hmm. this plane. And and like Sharon also like starts praying on the plane, which 
Tuscan questions are about. Then yeah, Reagan Lamont, they go from subway to bus. They take the slowest route possible. Subway to bus to cab and stuff. Oh, oh the no, the cab when Sharon and uh and Tuscan get in the cab and they ask the driver to take them to the house, like the eight prospect later or whatever. And he turns around like they asked her where they asked him where like, Can you take us to Camp Crystal Lake? <laughs> yeah. He's like, what? <laughs> oh god, this whole time, you, you want to know what my notes were for the for these scenes? Just get to the fucking house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sitting there like, cause we got like what, like a half hour of this movie left. I think so. Yeah, twenty minutes. God. at least twenty minutes. Reagan and Lamont arrive at the stairwell, and they they then hop the a fence in the house, which is now barbed wired. And the cab approaches, and the windshield breaks, and at the same time, Lamont opens the bedroom door at the house. Locusts just fly out of there, and the cab crashes through the fence in the front yard. I think the cab driver dies. He certainly doesn't move. Reagan approaches the upstairs, and she finds Lamont stunned on the floor, and he points to the bedroom door. Sharon crawls out of the smashed car, and is going to go in the house as Tuscan screams for help as she's trapped in the car. And Tuscan asks her to help Reagan fight it. Sharon asks her to name it, and she says, Pazuzu, which makes Sharon smile. Reagan then enters the room and sees her possessed self which was not played by Linda Blair. She didn't want to do the makeup again for it. And then Tuscan finally gets out of the car, and Sharon is blocking the door, and then gas starts leaking from the car right in front of her. Lamont then, in the house, grabs and Reagan and forces her in the room, and Pazuzu Reagan, who, who tell, calls herself Pazuzu Reagan, I'm not making I'm not just being a clever <laughs> nickname, Brandon. Pazuzu's Reagan is the only Reagan. And says that Lamont has chosen her as she turns into a more normal looking Reagan with these glowing green eyes. And Lamont tries to hump her. Yeah, this. <sighs> it's gross. It, it, I, I would say that this whole last 20 minutes is just wait, what? Why? I don't. Huh? And it it is gross and creepy and weird that it's. They've got, you know, Linda Blair in. Uh, She's she's dressed all sexy like it's, it's gross and my brain hurts. Well, the, that the, is what I will say. The quote the, the Pazuzu Reagan the look of her and stuff. What they do with her is if some zero budget company was trying to rip off The Exorcist and that's the best they could come up with for a possessed person. And this is like a major studio film. I, I get it. You want it to be Linda Blair, but just have the body double be there and Linda Blair. Yeah. It's a messed up face anyway. I'll take it for granted. You know, I'll take it yeah. at face value. You. Unless they're trying to tell us that after this fight, the goal is that Pazuzu lives out its life as Reagan. I don't understand Pazuzu's plan. If yeah. Pazuzu has ones, like I kind of understand that Pazuzu is around to kill people that are good because Pazuzu is evil and that's what pazuzu was trying to do with kakumo earlier it was a healer someone that could take pazuzu down and defeat evil and i guess that's kind of what reagan is as well so is pazuzu gonna kill reagan and then just walk around and be a dick to people and i uh, i just oh uh, yeah i i can't i can't help you my <laughs> my my brain hurts and it's gross that is, I will go back to that. Uh, Pazuzu tells Lamont to kill her. Fire ignites. 
Sharon outside. Well, there's there's the leaking gas from the cab out there, and mm-hmm. she steps on a the, the headlight that was flown off the car. It's still lit. Yeah. So breaking glass on gasoline makes an explosion somehow. Hey, Pazuzu, Pazuzu likes Final Destination. That's ah. And Brandon, what's up with Sharon? Why why is she all dazed and evil now? Can, can Pazuzu possess multiple people? Because... Pazuzu can, like... Oh, my God. A- ...appear in that room, apparently, by itself, while possessing Lamont and Sharon. Yeah, sure. That's what I'm seeing. I don't know if that's what they're trying to tell me, but that's it what make I see. It, it doesn't make any fucking... God, it doesn't make any sense! Why don't ah! And why Pazuzu never decides to team up with Tuscan is its biggest downfall. They would be a hell of a team. Both just, awful people. <laughs> it just seems like Pazuzu could just, you know, hypnotize or put these as many people as Pazuzu cares to put in a trance. And then those people could just kill a whole bunch of people. Seems like it'd be easier than whatever the fuck he's trying to pull off in this movie. Lamont attacks Reagan and slams her against the wall. Then Reagan begins speaking in Kakumo's voice, which confuses Lamont. <laughs> and me! And Re- Reagan, th- this is where I thought, I'm like, oh, he's going to come flying on a, on a locust. Uh, <laughs> Spitting out leopards. Reagan then, oh gosh, that'd be awesome. Uh, Reagan then starts saying, poor K, and why me, like the Spanish people were doing at the beginning. He seems snapped out of it. Kakumo says to tear out her evil heart. He jumps on the bed and fights Pazuzu Reagan, strangling her. And then locusts begin to swarm the Capitol building. Sharon still burns outside while Tuscan watches and then goes to call for help in the streets, but not to really much concern. Help! 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 You would think that the people that lived in this neighborhood, as soon as that car crashed through the house, like, wait, what? what's going on? And then when there's an explosion next door, you'd think, hey, I should probably call someone or investigate or just... No, it is completely dead outside. Yeah. It's like, it is like the, the, the neighborhood from Home Alone. Apparently, everyone just left town for the, for the week. Fuck it. Uh, we see from behind one flying locust outside approaching the house, and then a swarm smashes through the bedroom window, converging over Pazuzu and Lamont, raising Pazuzu into the air. The house starts cracking with light protruding from it. Lamont grabs Pazuzu down on the bed and punches her gut repeatedly as the room continues to separate. Reagan falls through the floor. Lamont pulls the heart from Pazuzu Reagan. Tuscan just sits and watches holding Sharon's fried corpse, uh, which I thought was her fried corpse. She's not dead yet. She's not dead yet. The house keeps crumbling as locusts swarm, and we see Reagan doing the young Kumo swatting motion thing we saw earlier. Remember that? Yeah. I told you to remember that. It, it, it comes back because uh, the, the... It's just, I... I feel this is like there's a lot to feel bad for people in this but I, I feel bad for Linda Blair in this oh, shot I, of her. Yeah, I absolutely do. <laughs> it's like so 
Because I, I, I guess, you know, Kakumo, he was studying grasshoppers and like, all right, we found a grasshopper that can make the rest of the locust calm down. It has something to do with the rubbing of the wings. Uh, they won't all freak out and just swarm everything. And I guess somehow making the motion of sl- whipping a sling in the air is a calming thing to locust or something. Or, we'll, ha- we'll have to watch more Locust uh, movies to to really get a hang on it, I think. Maybe Kakumo's spirit is within her as well, uh, which doesn't make... I, I don't know how that would happen. D- does... You know, you could pos- write what you think this movie's about, and I could write what I think this movie's about, and I bet they'd be... I'm sure there'd be some similar things, but they'd be pretty different. If I were to write what I think this movie's about, I would squat over just a notebook and just... Diarrhea right on it, and then close it and write The Exorcist Two on it. I'm like I did it! I found out what the book, uh, the movie's about. I did it! Scratch and sniff edition. Thanks. <laughs> Finally, this all calms down, and Lamont approaches Sharon's toasted body, and she says her hunger for truth was her belief. He blesses her. She says, "Reagan," then dies. Okay, bye. Lamont says the enemy of the human race is subdued. Tuscan, yeah, Spazuzu is the enemy of the human race now. Like, <laughs> Promoted. Yeah, and promo- yeah. Tuscan apologizes to Regan as she, that she understands this all now, but the world won't. <laughs> not yet. So she says her and Lamont have to go and that he needs to take care of her. And they walk off through the, the, ru- the house rubble off the set. Because uh, I don't know where they're fucking going. Yeah, like uh, they're just gonna walking into the backyard uh, of someone's house. Could someone take a clip of that and add like the uh, Incredible Hulk? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, like every cop in town, every firefighter, every neighbor comes on the scene to take a look at this as Tuscan cries and looks on. And we see before it ends, we see a couple of the uh, the hypnosis sync flashes. So like, were they really there? <laughs> Yeah, I know. Because, yeah, it just zooms in on the doctor. And those flashes happen, like you say. Like, what what's happening? What What is this? Is there a synchronizer there? Is it someone's headlights? What are you trying to convey, John Borman? No, it's like, you know, this is bullshit. This isn't, like, well-thought-out stuff like the, the end of Inception or anything. This is... <laughs> This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like, well, it was a thing that we used in the movie, so we'll end it that way, too. It has nothing to do with anything. It, there's no benefit to doing it. It's not spooky. It's not mysterious. It doesn't... It, it's dumb. It's dumb. If it was, then they would still be in the room at the hotel and somehow uh tuscan made another machine to join them and said sharon you gotta hook up on this it'd be really sweet then the travel discrepancies would make more sense maybe all of this stuff just happened on that first (laughs) synchronization you thought okay at the end of it they moved on nope this is what was happening the whole the whole time this whole fucking thing just happened in in reagan's mind here we go The Exorcist. And they did. You know what another crime with this movie is? Score's not bad, but where's the theme of the tubular bells from the original? 
Yeah. Did they not realize that's what people like, like the exorcist about? Like you, you bring the, the theme music back. It's very atmospheric music. It really sets the tone. It puts you on edge for the right reasons. And that music is replaced with. And it's barely in this movie anyway. Did it get so popular that the rights to use it were too expensive now? Because, I mean, Tubular Bells was not written for The Exorcist. It was just freaking founded mm-hmm. from some artist and was like, I'm, I'm using this. So maybe now it was... But no, they bring it back for the goddamn third one and the fourth... So no. No, they just didn't realize what they had, maybe? I... I don't know. Like, I mean, like, could you imagine Superman 2 didn't have the Superman theme? Yeah. Or, like, Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's funny. Another movie that had this happen was Elm Street 2 did not bring... Mm-hmm. I mean, but that one, that movie was rushed into production and out under a year by a week than the first one. So they didn't really know what they had. They were making that second movie right after the first one hit. So they really didn't know what they have. I'll give them that past that they didn't realize oh we had theme music that people liked even though it was our cheap synth stuff that we didn't know was going to be catchy uh-huh. so that, that's I, I get i get that there but here this movie was iconic it's been years where's the damn tubular bells i granted it's not going to make this movie better but where was it <laughs> at least make it feel like it's a sequel to the first movie like i appreciate you didn't make the same movie over again because a lot of sequels will do that. I mean, you uh, brought back Sharon. Tubular Bells <laughs> is more memorable than Sharon from the first movie. I know. When she died in this, I thought, uh, okay, I don't care. Well, that was supposed to be the mother, and the original died. Well, in one of the script variations, she died. And in another script variation, she gave her daughter to Lamont and said, you know, you need to take care of her. I, I, this is, this yeah. world is too big for me. But if hold the fuck on. Why do they need to go? If they fucking got rid of Pazuzu, it's it's over. We're fine. You guys don't need to hang out anymore. Bye, bye, Father Lamont. Thank you. Yeah, problem solved. Go on to the next child Pazuzu may possess, or no, well, the the Earth is gone with the human race's villain is is gone. You know what? What needs to happen is is uh, Lamont needs to take Reagan to a psychiatrist that knows what the fuck they're doing and knows when to leave well enough alone. God. It's like peeling back a scab. That's what Dr. Lamont did. It, things are healing. Everything is on its way to being better. Instead, like, ah, you know what? It's just, uh, this isn't how you heal. And just ripping the scab off and just poking around inside the wound. Doc should have her license revoked. You know what the last line of this movie should have been? Like, camera coming up on her. She goes, I really caused some shit, didn't I? <laughs> should have apologized to Reagan and then looked into the camera and said, I'm sorry for wasting your time. This was, and still is a poster child for being the worst sequel ever made. And those people who nowadays will complain about stuff like a, like Iron Man 2. Uh, seriously? <laughs> look, Go back and look at this. Iron Man 2 made sense. This is... This is it's under, <sighs> but this it kneecaps the first movie. Man, it's this is off the wall. It's embarrassing. It's laughable. It's just confused with itself. It's cheap looking at time. I I feel bad for them. I there's stuff that does look like sets 
I don't know that that's their fault or if there could have been better set designers or something like that, but I don't know if I want to throw that against them if that's just like kicking them while they're down, but goddamn this movie. And it's also been called one of the worst movies ever made, and if a lot of people calling it the worst movie ever made, I don't know, Colin, have you seen worse? That's... It's up for... It's a matter of personal taste, but... It's a matter of personal taste. I have seen worse movies than this... However, you know, calling something a bad movie that's subjective, like was entertained. If you were entertained, then it can't be that terrible, you know. But with this, it's like I wasn't entertained. <laughs> I just hurt. I just hurt. Now comes the point in the episode where we rate the movie we just watched. As we are Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we like to keep things nice and culty. Our options are as follows. Stay with your family, which, like Dr. Tuscan advises, maybe don't use the hypnotizer. Prize, you're not a fan of Exorcist 2. Converted, which means you are like Dr. Lamont, where you've messed with the hypnotizer a little bit, and you kind of are interested in this thing now. And drink of the Kool-Aid, you are full-on Pazuzu possessed, loving it. You bought the Kakumo Halloween costume with the locust headdress. So, Cullen, how do you rate John Borman's film of Exorcist II, The Heretic? You know, Brandon, in this this day and age, there are people that they start petitions for things that are they're pretty frivolous, pretty dumb, but I would encourage our listeners out there to start a petition to have John Borman ejected from the planet. Uh, shoot him into space, just leave him on an island, just just something. Whatever bad things have happened to him are not enough for having made this movie. It's not not fun. It's not pleasant to watch. I I will say this. Some of the visuals are are, are very creepy and unsettling, like I had mentioned earlier with the the woman that was on fire at the beginning of the movie and the the part with Dr. Tuscan where the, the the past Reagan and present Reagan were, you know, battling over her uh, Dr. Tuscan's heart. That was a neat visual. The stuff on the, the roof with like these, these this slitted mirror is like a wall up on the roof. It's really bizarre. I think it actually does benefit the movie because it's something else that's unsettling. No, just 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 head to toe failure is what this movie is. Uh, it, it, it paid Richard Burton's bar tab. That is one of the better things you can say about this movie. So I say I stay with my family. Brandon, how do you rate this piece of shit? If you've been in suspense this whole time, I'll I'll alleviate you right away with staying with my family. No, there's no this movie sucks. There's there's no way around it. I think there is people who find it funny or enjoy the absurdity of it. I in a couple spots, but I'm not there with you for the whole thing. The movie after it first came like the first screenings, this is back when things didn't open wide right away. They started in a couple cities and then built out and traveled. Even your biggest releases did that. Like Star Wars did not open everywhere when it opened in 77. If you were in a smaller city, you had to wait till it worked its way to you. Borman pulled this movie from theater multiple times to recut it, to try to fix it or try to change it. But man, if I was the studio and these reactions were coming, I'd have been like, this needs to be 80 to 90 minutes now (laughs) you know play as many times as you can through the day sharpen it and you know what it might have been that enjoyable 
in in a it wouldn't have been a good film because this fucking plot makes no sense. It could have it, it could have saved it in a way, but it's there's there's too much bullshit here. It's weird to watch because it is it's well acted. It does have some sense of competency and it's like look and stuff. Like it could trick you if you just like were had it in the background, looked up for a scene. But if you watch the whole movie, you're gonna realize you were fucking fooled. So I will say I like this idea it brings and doesn't explore well or much at all of the idea of there's kind of a religion versus science thing going on that they don't they're scared to explore maybe or they don't where is what happened reagan real and exorcism a demon thing or is it like some sort of mental illness that could have been an interesting place to take a sequel if you had to bring reagan back for it that's something i i like that i got hinted at there and there's also the idea of does a good thing in the world also bring a force in a bad thing in the world that's kind of nice and then i think in a better movie, minus Reagan swatting at the sky, the, the the end with the locusts in the house crumbling and crashing, I think it looks really cool. It's really well done. It's intense. It's just loud. It's crazy. And it's just like, oh my gosh, to watch. It's effective. But the movie sucks. <laughs> so, so it's like all that for nothing. Like you hit the finale, the effects and stuff for the finale, but everywhere else, no. Uh, sorry, James Earl Jones. You're wasted in this movie horribly horribly like he's there as something of importance that isn't important and he has to wear that damn locust hat he had to be on this movie being like you're fucking serious like <laughs> he had to i mean he's like oh no you're this uh you're this doctor that studies locusts <laughs> you know he's gonna have to have his shirt off wearing a locust hat but you're you're the first possessed kid like grown up Ooh, cool why am i wearing this then he gets in conan the barbarian he's like well here i am again but at least the thing on my head looks cool. He doesn't look like a doctor that studies locust. He looks like Dr. Locust. Dr. Locust. But no, this movie's this movie's terrible. It's still one of the worst sequels of all time. It's the worst Exorcist movie. The next one, it sucks, is like this movie was so bad. The third one wouldn't come for another like 12 years. I like that one a lot, but no one would go see it because of this movie. They're like, oh no, you fooled me once on that one but like luckily the third one has come around it's finding new fans every day it's it's a cool movie blatty william peter blatty the writer of the original book adapted a different book of his for that and it was his directorial debut it's a really cool movie that one brings father Karras back and and it focuses around uh the detective from the first one and the the priest that survived played by different actors yeah that one's that one's cool so skip two go to three there's also two different, two wildly different versions of four, which focus on the African stuff here, but in a totally different way. No one's named Kakumo, and it's the the whole movie is Father Marin's exploration of that exorcism in so two different ways. <laughs> so, so you said that this is the worst exorcist movie. Yep. W- w- would you say that this is the worst movie about like possession? Because there's plenty of other exorcist like rip-off movies or, you know, stuff like The Exorcism of Emily Rose, you know, stuff like that. Do you Would you say that, that this is even worse than all of those the, knock-off... There were a lot you know, in the 70s. Of, well, yeah, well there was a lot in the 70s, and there, there were a lot within the last, yeah. mm, like, 10 years or so. Oh, I'll tell you what. Most of those are shorter, and uh, even, like, the, the knock-offs in the 70 one, 70s ones are short because they're cut for grindhouse and double feature times and they're goofy actually goofy and funny to watch or they're 
bring an interesting thing about with him. Like there's there's another one with Linda Blair from the 80s that has David Hasselhoff in it where it's actually one of the uh, Italian Evil Dead sequels come called by a different name, but that's that's more fun to watch where Linda Blair is in it and gets possessed again. You could watch Repossessed, which yeah. was like a like a parody of exorcism movies where Linda Blair is possessed again as an adult and like Leslie Nielsen is like the priest. I'm not going to say it's a good movie. That's subjective. I'll let that up to you people, but it's not worse than this. Yeah. It's a better use of your time than this. No, there's, I mean, there's a lot. Yeah. You, like you mentioned, there's been plenty of them like recently, but those are at least trashy, enjoyable where in this case, their 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 mediocrity is far more entertaining than this one's off. Because sometimes yeah. I'll take the awful over, but I mean, there I mean, this movie, like I said, has a couple ideas I like, but there there are things that came up in my head that were hint, that were like hinted to me here, but never explored. I'm like, oh, that would be a cool idea, and they they don't do it. Like if you want to see an exorcism movie that is batshit crazy from the '70s, just watch The Visitor. Yeah, that there you go. that that is what you want, but what you get is John Borman trying. Can you hear me, Jane? Yes. Relax then and let yourself come down deeper and deeper to meet my tone. On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing... Voyage of the Rock Aliens from 1984. And I'm just going to say, if you scour the interwebs, you may be able to find a way to watch it. I'd like to thank everyone who listened in and those who make us a bi-weekly experience, which kind of sounds sexual. But hey, <laughs> we look forward to next time. But first, stay tuned for the trailer to Voyage of the Rock Aliens, the trailer that actually trails. Traveling through time and space. Their leader is Absid. Their mission is for science. Their only vice. We used to sit around at night watching old time movie shows. Is music. You didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know. What did you think? What did you think? We didn't think at all. Voyage of the Rock Aliens. Dusty! Their destination is the home of Dee Dee. The hottest ticket in town. Her boyfriend, Frankie, the hottest temper in town. And his band, The Pack, who are always cooking. But things are about to get hotter. All it took was just one look, and Dee Dee short-circuited his fuse box. Some guys will do anything to press a girl. Now Dee Dee's got her chance. Why don't you sing with us? This guy's gonna be dog meat. But the pack want his head. We're starving. Sorry, guys. I guess I made a wrong turn. Voyage of the Rock Aliens. It's magical. Maniacal. Could, could you wait? Too short. It's got tunes. See, you never took auto shop. No. And tune-ups. It's okay. 
It's full of surprises. Watch it. And the beat never stops. He is Adora, Tom Nolan, Craig Sheffer, Ruth Gordon, and a special appearance by Jermaine Jackson. So keep your eyes and ears open. Who's that? Your town might be next. Voyage of the Rock Aliens. Thank you for listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, part of the Creative Zombie Studios Network. For press opportunities, advertising opportunities, and more information on Cult Cinema Cavalcade, contact mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. Produced by Brad Shoemaker, edited by Brandon Peters, narration by Rebecca Peters. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf appears courtesy of the freemusicarchive.org network. The film and music featured in this episode are part of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Join us again in two weeks for a new episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Um, so, well, no, I lost my spot here. Um, I could just read anything and probably sound like it made sense. <laughs> uh, you could say anything you wanted at this point. And it'd be believable. And people would be like, I don't remember that from the movie, but I'm going to take his word for it because I don't want to go check. And, uh, it tur- and it turns out this this whole plan that Pazuzu came up with is based on the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> oh, God.